Today on Understanding Immigration, the most apprehensions in American history. Unless they're willing to change to change course, I don't see how this is going to get any better. And in fact, like you mentioned, because of the summer coming up, it's probably going to get much worse. I think we have to look and say, look, while Toyota 42 has been a very effective tool in, in slowing the flow of, of illegal migration, we need to have other policies in place. Coming to you from Washington, D.C., you are now listening to FAIR's Understanding Immigration Podcast. In April, Customs and Border Protection encountered 234,088 individuals at the southwest border. That is the highest number in American history. It reflects the ongoing crisis at our border, which has raged since Joe Biden became president. Under the Biden administration, Border Patrol has encountered over 2.8 million illegal aliens in 16 months. And worst of all, while this crisis rages on, the Biden administration is doing everything in its power to make it worse through executive action and agency decision making. Hello, and welcome back to FAIR's Understanding Immigration podcast. This is Preston Hennikins, FAIR's Government Relations Manager, and I'm joined today by Jason Pena from FAIR's Research Department. Today, we're going to discuss two major pieces of immigration news. First, the record-breaking numbers at the southern border in April. And second, the Biden administration's court battle with 20-plus states over the end of the use of Title 42 at the border. So, Jason, let's get the ball rolling and talk about these April numbers. What are we seeing here? It's good to be here, Preston. To no Americans' shock at this point, uh, CBP has uh, has encountered another record-breaking number of illegal aliens at the southern border. But I guess what uh, some of our audience members may be surprised to hear that this the CBP encountered more than 234,000 illegal aliens. For context, this is the most, this is the highest number of illegal aliens recorded in American history going back. So uh, again. Also, this is also the fourth time under the Biden administration where encounters or apprehensions, as they were formerly called, surpassed the 200,000 figure mark. So again and again, we're, we're seeing that our, our border security mechanisms or what's left of them aren't fully, aren't fully stemming the tide uh, against the surge of, uh, of illegal aliens trying to get into the United States. Uh, just some quick uh, fast facts on these numbers. Of the more than 234,000 encounters, 96,000 were expelled under the Title 42 Emergency uh, Health Protocol, uh, uh, which was given to President Trump by the CDC uh, at, at the onset of the pandemic. And 130, more than 137,000 were subjected to uh, Title 8, which is your standard uh, removal from the United States. Another thing, so since... I'm sorry, it's just so hard for me to go through these numbers knowing that how have we gotten to this point? How have we gotten to this point where the federal government has completely abdicated its duty in trying to, in securing the border and trying to keep trying to minimize the flow of 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 illegal aliens. So as of FY 2022, the Biden administration has released 950,000 illegal aliens into the country, folks. You heard that number correctly, 950,000, okay? Now, to put this into perspective, that figure is just, it's just, it surpasses the population of Fort Worth, Texas. So if you can imagine the city of Fort Worth and its population, that's how many uh, illegal aliens have been released into the country. 
going forward with, with May coming up, it's important to note that during the warmer months of the year, that's when illegal alien encounters tend to uh, spike uh, just because of the just because of the climate itself. Now, there's been an ongoing battle with, and we'll get to it in a moment on whether on the preservation of Title 42. And it should be shocked to no one that if Title if and when Title 42 is officially ended, we can expect to see another record record breaking feat on the southern border. Preston, you're let's let's get your thoughts on this. I mean. We're, right now, we're battling an administration that refuses to do anything to secure the border and to just add fuel to the fire. They're like, you know, we're going to take away one of the few measures that not only is helping out border agents at the border, but it's also it's also preserving public health. I mean, how does an administration go forward with its with its commitment to secure to its commitment to, to, to safeguard the the security and, and health of its people? Uh, I'm not sure they have made that commitment because they've done everything in their power to you know, really abandon immigration enforcement. They've mm-hmm. they on day one they immediately targeted a number of the uh, previous administration's efforts to to safeguard the border. They got rid of the migrant protection protocols, which ended the 2019 crisis. And just to get a sense of the numbers. You know, I, I remember when the New York Times said that the border was at a breaking point when we had over 75,000 apprehensions in one <laughs> right. month. I remember. And now we're seeing over 230,000, 220,000. That's it just dwarfs what what we're seeing, what we were seeing back in 2019. Uh, but the Trump administration gave us the template for how to end that kind of crisis. And, and we saw it was the successful implementation of the Romani Mexico program, and we saw the Trump administration engage with governments in Central and uh, South America to, to, you know, shore up asylum agreements that allowed individuals to apply for asylum in a different country uh, that was closer to home, that didn't involve their having to travel to the United States, uh, and it was it was very successful. We saw that apprehensions plummeted after that. And then they they remained low, um, and, and a lot of that had to do with with the COVID nineteen pandemic. But uh, even when you know COVID was some somewhat under control, uh, those numbers stayed relatively low until Biden became president. And we see that if you look at CBP's data for every month that Joe Biden has been president, the numbers have have increased and have gotten higher and have gotten worse. And like you said. Uh, I think you said there were four times now, four, four months, where under Biden apprehensions have been over uh, two hundred thousand. And right. if I'm if I if my memory serves me right, I think there's actually been only one or two months in that sixteen month span that he's been in office where apprehensions have have uh, been under a hundred thousand. So. You know, we're seeing a new normal under the Biden administration of over 100,000 apprehensions a month. Now we're getting to over 200,000. And, you know, unlike the Trump administration, they're not doing anything to fix it. There, there's no it doesn't seem to be any real rush to to fix this and to, to put into place either new or previously enacted policies to get a handle of this. Um, and it's you know, it, it seems like we're kind of, you know, you know, beating a dead horse here, but you know, unless unless they're willing to change to change course, uh, 
I don't see how this is going to get any better. And in fact, like you mentioned, because of the summer coming up, it's probably going to get much worse. You know, when we're when we're looking at at these astronomical numbers, these numbers again, for our audience who are, who are unfamiliar with uh, with uh, customs and border protection, the data th- that they provide to the public does not include estimated gotaways, and gotaways are illegal aliens who successfully evaded detection or arrest from border patrol agents or other CBP officials. The last I, I looked, that there's an estimated five hundred thousand gotaways since either. I, th- I think since the beginning of FY 2022, if not before then. So we, we also have to take into consideration for the illegal aliens who were not encountered by border authorities and released into the country. There's already 500,000 more, at the at, at the very least, last I checked, that are in the interior of the United States. I mean, it, honestly, that number doesn't really surprise me all that much just because our our, our, our border agents who are, who are from California to Texas— and really, border agents who've been pulled from the coast and the northern border, they've had their hands busy processing uh, countless, countless uh, foreign nationals that are trying to come into the United States. It really makes you wonder if how many, how many criminals, gang members, terrorists are, are evading authorities and successfully uh, residing in the interior. It, every American should be concerned about this. Uh, I, I can't stress that, uh, yeah, stress that enough. That, that's absolutely right. And I think an, an interesting... Uh, illustration to think about this is the way that we've seen how the cartels in Mexico are are profiting off of human trafficking, where mm-hmm. it has now almost rivaled the the profits that they're making um, from drug trafficking. And so, what what border agents and, and immigration officials at the southwest border are telling people is is what they're seeing is that the cartels will send over a large mass of of migrants. Um, you know, the migrants have, have, have paid for them to go over and whatnot. And so as they send that large group out, Border Patrol then has to go apprehend these people, process them, begin, that begins the asylum process. I mean, that ta- that's not something that just happens in 20 minutes. You know, this takes an entire day normally to, to deal with one large group. Mm-hmm. And then while the Border Patrol agents are busy processing those migrants, what they're telling us is that they know the cartels are sending their drug shipments over in the, in the same area, in the same sector, because they know that they have a better chance of evading you know, Border Patrol, uh, other DHS officials, the DEA, mm-hmm. because everyone is so busy processing the migrants. And, that, and that's not to say that this is, you know, you have to prioritize one or the other. Obviously, you know, when there are people... You know, who might be who might be sick, who might be dehydrated. You have to deal with that, of course. Um, but I think it goes to show we do not have enough border patrol agents. We don't have enough immigration officials at the border to to even come close to dealing with the numbers that we're seeing at the southwest border. No, not not at all. And there doesn't seem to be this as you mentioned earlier, this pressure to hire additional border agents or other CBP officials in President Biden's DHS budget proposal, there, there was there there was a suggestion or a, if you want to even call it that, uh, 
just saying like, oh, hey, we want to hire a few hundred Border Patrol agents. It's like, no, you need to be hiring a lot more than just a few hundred. That's not going to cut it, right. you know. And, and you know, on that on that subject of, of personnel and and staffing at the border, you know, you can have as many border agents, as many CBP uh, CBP officials as you like, but at the end of the day, if you don't have policies in place that prevent these flows from occurring in the first place, you're you're they might as well just be a catering committee allowing, hey, we're here to help you get into the United States, and, and that's the end of it. Um, switching gears a little bit, Preston, I guess I wanted to shift over to Title 42. I know this is something your, your department has been uh, focusing on quite a bit. Yeah, yeah. So, um, again, for those listening at home, Title 42 is a public health order uh, in the U.S. Code, and it was um, first implemented in an emergency setting in March 2020, uh, at the beginning of the COVID-19 crisis. And and what this does is it allows border agents to turn away asylum-seeking illegal aliens uh, and other illegal aliens who don't claim asylum, uh, you know, citing that they have a potential to further spread COVID-19 in the country. Uh, and so, again, this has been in place since March of 2020. Uh, Border Patrol has cited Title 42 in turning away about half of all illegal aliens that was a little bit lower this past month where mm-hmm. they were using title eight more but in in prior months it was about half or, or, or over 45 percent or so uh, but the biden administration decided last month that it wanted to end the use of title 42 at the border uh, even as they extended other pandemic related national emergencies and that's an important distinction here is because first and foremost title 42 is a a COVID-19 related emergency order. And so they're in, they were trying to end that as it pertained to turning away migrants at the border, while at the same time extending a number of the national emergencies that are still in place as we record. And so this led a group of 24 states uh, led by Louisiana, Arizona, and Missouri uh, to sue the Biden administration over this decision. Uh, so Jason, we now have a a recent court ruling in this case. Could you just tell us what happened? Of course. So on Friday, May 20th, U.S. District Judge uh, Robert R. Summerhays ruled that Title 42 must stay in place until this lawsuit is resolved. Now, to go back to what Preston said earlier, this is the lawsuit that that is led by the AGs of Louisiana, Arizona, and Missouri. So until until that is concluded, Title 42 will remain in place. Some context for for the legal action being filed by these uh, attorneys general. Their 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 claim is that it failed to follow the Administrative Procedure Act in the ending of the uses of Title Forty Two. Uh, Judge Summerhays uh, granted a temporary restraining order in that case, forcing the Biden administration to stop in their tracks in trying to scrap Title Forty Two indefinitely. Uh, he ex- Following that, he issued a restraining order to last until May 23rd, or until he issued his uh, filing ruling, which happened on Friday. And he also he enjoined the order, which means he prohibited the order to t- end Title 42. Um, and in addition, he had ordered the Biden administration to keep records of how the policy is being applied. Um, to no surprise, the the AGs who who were behind this effort applauded the uh, the decision. Just at, at as a victory, and rightfully so, because it helped it, it for for what it does. Title Forty Two is still holding the line and helping Border Patrol agents uh, stop the flow, or, or at least moderately stop the flow of of illegal aliens. Um, that all being said, Preston, 
we, we, we have to, at some point, I think we have to look and say, look, while Toyota 42 has been a very effective tool in, in slowing the flow of, of illegal migration, we need to have other policies in place because at the end of the day, the, this is a public health measure. You know, this, mm-hmm. is not, this is not something that is intended to be a long-term border security measure. And that's something that federal lawmakers and, and other uh, policymakers need to understand that this is not something that, okay, hey, t- as, so long as this, as, uh, as this measure is in place, everything will be fine. No, not at all. We need to be instituting uh, MPP, the asylum agreements with the Northern Triangle countries of El Salvador, Honduras, and Guatemala. We also need to garner more cooperation from those countries to do their own immigration enforcement. I, I can't. I remember during the summer of 2019 when, when these uh, governments in Latin America, for, for the first time in a long time, were actually enlisting their, uh, or actually making their immigrations do immigration enforcement, and many of them enlisted the help of their military to to uh, to stop the flow. Um, again, while while this is definitely a, a victory for the American people and and our sovereignty, I, I think it's important to note that. We really need to have an honest conversation, or at least the Biden administration needs to have an honest conversation about what is proper border security, what is proper immigration policy. It it should not be revolving around one CDC protocol, that's for sure. Yeah, that's absolutely right. And I think it's important to recognize that there will be a day in the future when Title 42 comes to an end. Um, There's no doubt about that. It's, excuse me, like you said, it's a public health order. And, you know, we've largely gotten uh COVID under control for for the most part you know Mm -hmm, that's mm -hmm. there's obviously you know we obviously hit the one million dead mark recently um so it's by no means over but it you know the country is returning to normal and at some point uh title 42 is not going to be used at the border anymore um and so i i think what we need to do is look at the both existing policies that we have under title eight and the the policies that the Biden administration ended when it took office. Um, And I think you hit the nail on the head with uh, the migrant protection protocols. You know, the Remain in Mexico program is a, is a great example of that, where that not only, you know, allowed border agents to get control of what's happening at the Southern border. It also acted as a disincentive Mm -hmm. for people to come to the border in the first place. And I think that is really an important uh, thing to take into consideration here is that, you know, our you know, Title Eight does not disincentivize people from coming to the border, <laughs> right. as uh, we've seen. As we've seen, it, it's it's clearly not enough. So you need other measures that do prevent people from getting into the U.S. at all. And the Remain in Mexico program was one of those policies that, you know, f- we know that the majority of people applying for asylum don't really have legitimate claims, and so those people then made the conscious decision. All right, I'm not gonna you know, try and do this. But then it allowed for the people who do have, you know, merit-based claims to, to enter the to enter the system. Uh, they're not being held up by all these other hundreds of thousands of, of claims that have to work their way through court. And so it actually ends up benefiting those people as well, which is, I think, important. Uh, and again, another one that it, it was ended before it really even got off the ground were the, the asylum agreements. Those would have been huge um, at you know, actually, because, you know, the definition of asylum is that your government, your home government in your home country is persecuting you for a variety of reasons. And so you're supposed to be able to apply for asylum in the first safe country you get to. 
And that's what was the basis of those asylum agreements was, look, if your home government, if your home country conditions there are not safe for you, let's get you somewhere else where you're no longer in your home country, but you're close enough to where if conditions change, you can return home. This, And I think that this ended the incentive to treat the asylum process as a way to migrate to the United States for economic reasons, mm-hmm. which we know is almost entirely the reason people are coming here. It's it's not because, you know, even though conditions may be bad, certainly, you know, their economies are not as developed as the United States. There are parts of the U.S. that are safer. Uh, there are also parts of the U.S. that are uh, significantly not safer than some of these <laughs> right. countries. We know that. Um, and so uh, the, the idea that, that people are able to game our asylum system because they want better economic opportunity in the United States is, is just really, uh, you know, that's the root of the problem. And uh, in addition to, you know, going back to MPP and going back to these asylum agreements, you have to address what is happening in our laws that have allowed people over the past 10, 15 years to to really use our asylum system as a way to get into the U.S. Um, when they otherwise couldn't. Shifting over to broader immigration policy, you know, we, we talk all about disincentives and how, as, as you as you stated, how the MPPs and the ACAs were able to basically essentially turn off that magnet mm-hmm. uh, from economic uh, migrants from from heading north. Another another policy here that I that I've noticed is that while we do need bo- more border agents for sure, uh, goes without saying. Whether it be under the Biden administration or any following administrations, I mean, another disincentive would be hiring more uh, ICE deportation officers. Um, now, many people associate ICE as all they do is deportations, but it is actually divided up into two uh, components. One is that does uh, immigration enforcement, the other that does, you know, that disrupts uh, narcotics Customs enforcement. Yeah. Yes, exactly, <laughs> narcotics disruption, human trafficking, things of like that. But I, I. I would believe that if you had if you had more ERO officers out there doing worksite enforcement, making sure getting larger numbers of illegal aliens, showing that listen, if you are here illegally, you and you will be deported, then yes, I think that would definitely send a message back to migrants, uh, whether they be at the border or whatever country they may be in, saying that listen, not only do we not only can you not fraudulently game our our asylum system? But if you are in the United States unlawfully, yes, you will be removed under under no, no excuses, no exceptions. So, Preston, I'll let you have the final word. Is there a positive note to end on, if if any? You know, I I think that obviously the Title Forty Two decision is is a positive note, um, but like we've been talking about, it's not the end all be all. Uh, I do think that maybe in terms of of a positive note is that people are starting to recognize that what the Biden administration is doing just just isn't working. Um, you know, I, I know that he's uh, underwater um, with with immigration polling and how he's handling the issue, and so maybe that will lead his administration to to change course. But um, you know, until that time, we will we, we will not be holding our breath for that. I'll say, um, <laughs> and I think that's. That's probably a, a, a great point to end on. And so for those of you listening at home, um, thank you for tuning in. This podcast is available on all streaming platforms, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and YouTube. Uh, we encourage everyone to leave us a review. That really helps us out. And please share this podcast with your family and friends. To follow what FAIR is doing and what we're up to, 
please check us out on Facebook and Twitter. Uh, just search for the Federation for American Immigration Reform. And until next time, this has been Understanding Immigration, presented by FAIR. Thank you.